Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Well, are you glad that you're a child of God this morning, Victory Church? Can we lift his name high one more time? It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today with you. Can I greet the Edmund Campus? Edmund Campus, we love you here. Can we make some noise for the Edmund Campus? We love you guys. It's an honor to be with you. Uh, those of you watching online, and I'm just glad to be back. If you're a first-time guest, uh, we welcome you. Uh, but I've been gone for six weeks. I have not preached since June the 21st, Father's Day, and I am pretty amped up uh, to bring the word today. And so, uh, you know what? I'm just going to, I just want to jump right in. So why don't you just turn around and high five somebody and you can be seated at OKC at Edmond. Those of you watching online, again, we honor you. We're glad you're with us. Many of you are traveling, uh, getting some last minute travel in before school starts uh, or it's just kind of a rainy day and you slept in. That's okay. Uh, We're glad you're joining us online today. It really is a privilege uh, to be back. And I want to just start uh, today by, by genuinely saying thank you. Uh, to you for, for, you know, kind of allowing me to have some time off with my family. Uh, we, we took six weeks, uh, first time I've ever done that in my life, uh, and took a sabbatical. And, and so I thank you. I also thank the board of the church and the board of the university that, that let me do that. And then also just the staff, uh, the leadership here, the staff uh, who led so well uh, so much so that I, I have no idea what happened while I was gone. So if something went wrong, call somebody else because I have no idea. Um, I, I had a different phone number. I had no email uh, and no social media. So I was literally disconnected from the world. And, and can I say, I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, I know that some of you don't have the luxury. You can't call your boss and say, well, my pastor said I need to take six weeks off. So, uh, But I tell you what over the course of the next several weeks, we're starting a new season, and I want to share with you many of the things that the Lord has done in my heart. Um, I think more than anything, what I realized is that I was swimming in the wrong stream, and I think I'll be able to explain that more in the coming weeks, but I was swimming uphill. I was swimming against the, the, the stream, so to speak, uh, trying my hardest, working hard um, for the kingdom, but what I realized is that my destination that God was taking me to wasn't upstream, it was downstream. And that if I would just rest in him, uh, that he was going to take me where he wanted me to go. And so it wasn't about striving, it was about finding rest. Now, it doesn't mean we don't work hard, but it was about finding the restfulness in my heart and in my spirit. And so it's, it's perfect. We're starting this, this new season called Who Am I? And... My, really, my heart behind this season is, is, is it's, it's kind of a question that we all ask ourselves at some point in our life. Uh, who am I? Who am I? What am I going to do? Who am I going to be? And I, I want to get into some of those things, but I, it's going to take me a few weeks to get there uh, because there's some things that I believe are, are pivotal or um, uh, we have to do first before we ever discover who we are or what we're going to do. And I, I want to get into some gifts of the Spirit. I want to get into some fruits of the Spirit. But what I want to talk about today and over the course of probably the next four weeks at least is something that um, I'm going to make a really bold, strong statement. 
apart from the gospel message of Jesus dying for our sins and, and raising to new life for us, what I'm going to talk to you about for the next four to five weeks, um, I kid you not, has been the most impactful thing uh, to my walk with the Lord my entire life. And I know that's a really, really bold statement, and I hope that I can um, convince you of that over the next several weeks. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John, the book of John, chapter 14. John chapter 14. And I want to just dive right in and, and kind of uh, begin to show you this, this concept. If you're a fast flipper and you're already at John 14, you can put, keep, keep, that, uh, keep your hand there, keep a mark there, and flip over to Romans because we're going to go there to Romans chapter 8. So whether you're digital or, or uh, paper Bible, go there with me, okay? And take out your phone, take some notes, um, take out a piece of paper, whatever you, whatever you take notes on. You need to write some of this down, okay? All right, John chapter 14, I'm going to dive into this. John chapter 14, verse 15 through 18, it says this. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. This is Jesus' words. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. It says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. And then this sentence is where we're going to camp today and for the next few weeks. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And this word orphan jumps off the page. Jesus uses this word not by accident. Jesus does nothing by accident. He uses this word. And I'm not so sure he's talking about literal orphans. Maybe you're an orphan. Maybe your parents abandoned you or, or both of your parents have, have passed and you've you're a physical and actual orphan. Uh, I think he's speaking in a realm that I want to try to stir up within us over the next several weeks, that there's this orphanhood in all of us. So go to Romans. Let's see what Paul has to say about it. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. This, he says this. It says, the mature child of God are those. Now, I want to pause real quick because um, when he says are those, it's not just like, this passive text. In the Greek, it's emphatic. In the Greek, it, it literally translates, are those and only those. It says the, the children of God are those and only those, and then it goes on to say this, who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance and folding you into the family of God. Now watch what Paul says. And you will never feel orphaned. You should never feel like an orphan. He's saying the children of God, the mature children of God, you know there's a difference. There's the mature. Paul talks a lot about the children of God and the mature children of God, those that drink milk and those that have solid food. He says the mature child of God is the child of God who never feels like an orphan. For as he rises up within us, our spirit join him in saying the words of the tender affection, beloved father. Now in one in some most translations it says Abba, father. And the word Abba is translated to literally mean dad, like papa. So he's saying the mature children of God, you should never feel like an orphan. And here's why you shouldn't feel like an orphan, because you have a papa. And you may not have a very good earthly papa. 
Your, 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 your dad on earth may not have very, done a very good job, but you can be a mature child of God because you're never to feel like an orphan because you have a beloved father, a papa. Verse 16 says, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. I want to talk to you about today is something that the Lord really began to stir in me uh, probably four, four or five months ago, this concept of, of operating as a spiritual orphan versus a spiritual son or daughter. So the title of my message today, what the Lord revealed to me and what I think he wants to reveal to all of us today is that uh, there's an orphan in all of us. There's an, there's an orphan heart that resides in all of us that God wants to deal with on a daily basis. Okay, let's pray. We'll, we'll jump into this. Lord, uh, God, I pray that you would give me the ability to, to, to communicate this the way that you have communicated this to me. God, what I've been looking at for the work that you've been doing in my heart for six months, would you somehow figure out how to put that on my tongue? And deliver it to your children, Father, so that we can operate the way that you intend us to operate. So we, we say, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do today, not just in this room, but in our minds and in our hearts, individually, whether we came in here open-minded or closed-minded, what we're saying is, God, have your way and do a work in all of us today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I heard this preacher um, not too long ago telling the story about how his dad, when he, when, when he was a young boy, his dad, when he was about five, his father would always come to him and say, son, if I could line up all the five-year-old boys in the whole world in front of me and pick any of them I wanted to, I'd pick you every time. And then he says back to his five-year-old son, he said, now if you could line up all the dads and pick any dad you wanted, would you pick me as your dad? And the son said, well, I don't know. I'd have to see what the other dads were like. <laughs> you know, if you're a parent, you've probably had times in your life where moments in your life where you've kind of had this thought, I wonder if my kids would be better off if someone else raised them. And maybe we would never be willing to admit that out loud, but at certain moments of your life, you may come across or see somebody on TV or see a movie of some hero mom or, or meet a hero mom or see some dad that you think is an amazing father. And you think, man, I wish I could be that father like he's a father. I wish I could be a mom like he's a mom. And as parents, we're constantly like comparing ourselves and wondering how we're doing as a parent. But I don't know if about you, but I don't remember ever one time in my whole life as a child thinking, I wonder if I could ever be a better child to my parents. <laughs> Children don't really think this way. Kid, you know, I think kids don't really think this way because most of the time kids are pretty happy. You know, even if you weren't able to give every, I grew up in a trailer home, y'all. Like, I, we, our vacations were going to the river. Like, we weren't going to the beach. We're going to the river beach, the clay, you know. And so, but I was the happiest kid ever. I didn't know. I, I loved being the son to my parents. I thought I had the greatest childhood ever. And so, as sons and daughters, a lot of times we're not necessarily wondering how we're doing as a son or a daughter. But what I want to try to venture into today is to kind of challenge us all uh, to think spiritually, how am I doing as a son? How am I doing as a daughter? 
If you're a believer, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose to new life for your victory, then you're a son or a daughter. You are an heir with Christ. You are a child of God. How am I doing? And I don't mean how am I doing like, am I doing right? Am I following all the rules? Am I following the order of the law so that God would love me? In fact, that's the opposite of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, how am I receiving my sonship? Am I, am I acting like a son or am I acting like an orphan? Am I behaving as though I have a heavenly father who loves me and adores me and cheers for me and has given me great gifts? Or am I operating as an orphan who thinks I've been abandoned and denied? And I want to talk to us about this topic today. And for the, for the a few weeks, I want to talk about the orphan heart in all of us. And, and I, want to, I want to relieve you by saying this. It's not that some have it and some don't. We all have it. We live in a fallen world. Eve ate the apple, y'all. I'm sorry. It just happened. And the enemy is, is, is present. And so we're at war. The, the Bible says that we battle not in flesh and blood. There's, there's a whole nother battle happening. That's why Paul says, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. Because it's not like Paul saying, hey, do it once and then you're good forever. It, it's nothing of the sort. It's this thing that is ever present in our life. The temp- and that's why I think Jesus said, I will never leave you as orphans. Because Jesus knew that we would be tempted to behave like orphans. He knew that at times in our life, we would slip into thinking that I'm not lovable, that there's no way God could love me, that there's no way a heavenly father could look at me and the way I live and the way I mess up and truly believe that I'm his son. And so Jesus knew this, and that's what I want to expose to you today. It all kind of started probably five or six months ago. I was at this leadership talk, and I was sitting and listening to one of the speakers, and this speaker was talking about a completely different subject, and he said this phrase that just stuck with me, and he said, he said, we're not to behave as though we're orphan leaders. And then he went on talking about something else, but I have no idea what he went on talking about because I was locked in, and my journal was open, and I was writing because there was something about that word that struck a chord in me. And I know now that it was the Holy Spirit putting a seed in my heart that would grow into something to where it becomes a sermon and something that God did a deep, deep, deep work in my heart in this area. And a lot of my studies led me to a lot of different books and a lot of different things. One particular author that I will recommend, um, his name is Lef Hetland, uh, L-E-I-F, Hetland, H-E-T-L-A-N-D. He wrote a few books on the orphan heart, the orphan spirit. And I'll reference him from time to time throughout some of these messages. But God began to just really stir this topic in me. So I, I just want to camp on this for a minute and show you a couple of things that I pray that God will reveal some things about your heart that he revealed about my heart. So let's go back to this text that I've quoted a couple of times. John 14, 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Paul said it this way. Let me read it one more time. It says, The mature child of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. That's an orphan heart. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Most translations say full adoption. You are not an orphan. You've been adopted. Enfolding you into the family of God, and you 
will never feel orphaned. That's how you know you have reached maturity in your walk with Christ. When you can operate with no orphan mindedness. And it's not easy. I, I vacillate in and out of this. I catch myself at least five times a day. And I have to stop myself and say, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to behave that way. I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to process that thought that way because I'm processing that as an orphan. Let's talk about what this means. What is an orphan? Well, we know what an orphan is in the natural. An orphan is somebody, a child who has lost their parents. They've been abandoned by their parents or their parents have died. And they've le been left homeless, right? Uh, in the Greek, the Greek word used here by Jesus is the Greek word arphanos which means comfortless, those with no teacher, guide, or guardian. An orphan is anyone who has uh, no home, somebody who's looking for a place to belong. They, orphans have a longing for belonging. And this is kind of ingrained in our, in our human nature. We want to be accepted. Uh, at the root of orphanhood is rejection, 100% of the time. Something has happened. I'm kind of obsessed with this topic of rejection. I've, I wrote a chapter in my book about it. And so it's already a topic that I'm super passionate about. But orphanhood is the result of rejection. You feel rejected by a person, a place, a thing, anything on earth, and you, it can leave you to process that situation with the mindset of an orphan. An orphan, an orphan must perform in order to gain acceptance. Now think about what an orphan in the natural does. If you're, if you're an orphan and you live in an orphanage, the director of that orphanage might come to you one day and say, little Billy, <laughs> I came up with that name, I don't, you know. If your name's Billy, yeah, I'm not calling you an orphan, calm down. Little Billy, there's a family that's interested in you and they're gonna be here today at 10 o'clock to check you out and interview you. Now, you're the orphan, what are you thinking? Oh my gosh. Are they going to love me? Are they going to accept me? I better go put on my best dress. Oh, wait. It's Billy. Put on my best pants. Put on my khaki pants, you know? It's dangerous grounds these days. I'm going to put on my best khaki pants. I'm going to wear a button-up shirt. I'm going to put on my nice shoes. You know what? I think I'm going to comb my hair. Why? Because if I look the part, if I act the part, if I measure up to their standards of what a little boy should act like and behave like, maybe, just maybe, They'll accept me, and they'll love me. They'll love me like a father that I never had, and they'll receive me into their home, and maybe I could actually have a home. This begins to give you, it's going to take me a week or two to really begin to deposit this idea of the orphan in you, the concept of this orphan-mindedness, but it begins to show you and to reveal to you on a spiritual level how we can very easily slip in to this idea of an orphan. Let me, let me say it this way. Orphan, spiritual orphans are always looking for security, affirmation, love, acceptance, value, purpose, significance, because they have never received it from their earthly father before, or their heavenly father, for that matter. They, 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 maybe, maybe they have a knowledge, yeah, I know, God loves me, I'm a child of God, but there's a difference between knowing it and receiving the truth of it. Do you know that you can know something but not actually live it out? So most of us, if you've been in church at all, you have heard the phrase, child of God. Sunday school, whatever. Maybe you're, maybe you're not a Christian, but your mom has told you this a hundred times praying for you. So it's not that we don't have a knowledge of it. It's that we don't have a revelation of the Father's love for us. And we can't 
figure out how to receive this and embrace this. Uh, the cool thing about this is as I begin to study it and as I begin to tune my frequency into this idea of the orphan, and once you learn about it and, and, and acknowledge it, you realize really quick that it's one of the greatest tools of the enemy, and then you can begin to see that weapon. And anytime the enemy pulls out that weapon, you're like, no, nah, I've, se I've, I've seen that weapon before. It don't work. So as I begin to frame my mind and study this topic, I begin to see the orphan heart manifesting in almost every character of the Bible. Which brings me great relief, by the way, because then I'm like, okay, I'm normal. I'm normal. Let me, let me start with this. The devil. Let's start with the devil. The devil was the very first orphan. Have you ever thought about that before? The Bible talks about how the devil was cast out of heaven. The devil was the worship leader in heaven. <laughs> That's a kind of a big deal. The Bible says that him and a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven. The devil became the very first orphan. And he has spent the rest of his life trying to make you feel the way he feels. He wants you to feel like an orphan too because that's how he feels. He was once in the home of a loving father and he was cast out of that home because he tried to measure himself and to put himself above God, which we know is not a good idea. So the enemy is an orphan. Now think about other characters in the Bible. Elijah was an orphan. Eli Elijah called down fire from heaven? Yeah. Remember Jezebel rejected him? And the Bible says that he ran and hid in a cave and cried out, I'm the only one left. His orphan heart began to get exposed when he was rejected. He was not accepted. And his orphan heart began to manifest itself. Aaron was rejected by people. Remember when, when Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and Moses came back down and they were like shindigging it. Like it was a massive party, having a good time. There's golden caps, there's all kinds of stuff. And Moses is like, Aaron, bro, what's going on? What happened? And Aaron's like, I was afraid of the people. I was afraid of what the people would do. And so I, the people made me do it. He wanted to be accepted. He had an orphan heart. And so he, he manifested himself in that way. Saul, remember King Saul, he had an orphan heart. He was afraid of what the people would think. Over and over and again in Scripture, you see this coming out. Joseph's brothers, remember Joseph, the coat of many colors? All of his brothers had orphan hearts. When the father, the, the Bible says that the father loved Joseph more than any of the other brothers. Well, imagine how that would make you feel. I feel rejected by my father. So the orphan heart manifests itself and I throw my brother into a pit. So you see this coming out, all the, I could go on and on. The disciples, remember when the disciples were arguing about who was going to get to sit next to Jesus in heaven? They wanted to be accepted, they wanted to be affirmed, and they wanted to be valued, and they wanted to have recognition, and it was the orphan heart coming out of them, and so they began to argue about who was the greatest. Moses. Moses wasn't just a spiritual orphan, he was an actual orphan. Remember Moses that said when he was a baby, his mom put him in a basket and like pushed him down the river. Now it was for good reason, but Moses doesn't understand that. There's a lot of mothers who, who probably had a baby out of woodlock or, and didn't want to get an abortion. And so they put their child up for adoption and, the, and they did it for good reason and for good cause. But the child is left feeling rejected and alone. Moses had to have felt this way. And so you see this orphan heart coming out of Moses all through his story. In particular, when God comes to Moses at the burning bush and says, Moses, I've called you to do great things. I need you to go back to, Israel, to, to Egypt and bring the Israelites out. And I want to show you five objections 
that Moses gave. Real quickly, i got to move through these quick. Five objections that Moses gave that exposed his orphan heart. Okay? Objection number one in Exodus 3.1, Moses said, who am I to do this? Who am I? I? I'm not the one. And what was manifesting was insecurity. He was saying, I'm not worthy of this. And God's saying, I've called you to do this. And if I've called you to do this, that I'm going to help you. I'm here with you. But his orphan heart couldn't grasp it. So much so that he continued to argue with the Lord. In Exodus 3.13, objection number two, he said, who am I representing? Now, that seems like an innocent enough question. But if you really want to break that down to the core of what it was, he was less concerned about, about the, telling the people that it, it was God and more concerned about how it was going to be an impact on him. He was more concerned about their response to him than he was their response to God, right? So it was manifesting this, this orphan heart in him. Objection number three, he says, what if they won't accept me? That's in Exodus chapter four, verse one. So again, he's worried about rejection. What if they don't like me? What if they don't like me? And the orphan heart will make you obsess over pleasing people. And you'll make decisions about your life and how you raise your kids and where you go to church and what you do this and how, what cars to buy and what houses to buy, all based upon the manifestation of, of an orphan heart. Uh, in fact, orphans are always looking out for themselves because they're, they can just never be sure that anyone else is looking out for them. Sons and daughters, on the other hand, know that they have a Papa God who's always looking out for them, who always has the best in mind for them. And so there's not a performance mentality. Objection number, number four that Moses had in Exodus 4.10, he says, I'm not competent. You know what, God? Uh, I stutter. You know what? I stutter. I can't do it. Again, he's going back to the self-reliance. Sons say, I'm not that good, but God, you are. And if you've called me to do it, let's do it. Orphans say, I, 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 I can't do this. I can't perform this. I don't have the right degree. I don't have the right experience. I don't have the right, I didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks. Sons and daughters say, you know what? That sounds like a pretty big call, God. But if you're in it with me, let's go. You, you begin to see the difference. Uh, the fifth objection he had, the final objection Moses had, he kind of just got tired of arguing with God in Exodus 4.13. And he just said, you know, God, send somebody else. Just, just somebody else. I don't want to do it. And again, he's exposing there's a common thread with every spiritual orphan, and it's the common thread of, of Moses through his objections to the Lord, is it always comes back to me. But, but, but I can't. But what if, what if I? And what if they reject me? And what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And the orphan heart is constantly going back to being concerned about my well-being because if I don't take care of myself, no one else will. That's how orphans think. Sons and daughters of God say, God is my protector. God is my provider. God is my defender. God is the, God, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not because I'm that good. In fact, because I'm really not that good at all. But I serve the God who is good, who is worthy, who is capable, who is able to do all things. Amen? Making sure you're with me. So as I begin to study this and, and study it through the Bible, unfortunately, what I begin to see is that the orphan was in me. That I had an orphan heart. 
Not huge things, not massive things, but all day, every day. I mean, early on, I kid you not, at least 10 times a day. When I begin to study this and understand how orphans think, how spiritual orphans think, at least 10 times a day, the Holy Spirit would prompt me and say, now is that how a son would think? Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. I would be a part of a project. I'd be a part of something big that, that would be announced on stages and do something really significant. And I had, I had big parts to play in this. In fact, some of them were my dreams and my ideas, but nobody would mention my name. And I'd be like, well, what's the deal with that? And the Holy Spirit would say, is that how a son thinks? Was that your idea or was that my idea? Did you come up with that or did the Holy Spirit come up with that? Time and time again, God would, would push these things in my face. And I, I would find myself this mentality of what if I fail? What if we don't? What if we can't? Uh, everybody is, you know, in this season of my life, God has me being a pastor and a president. I'm a pastor of a church and the president of a university. And the thing I get more than anything else is, John, are you sure you can do this? You look tired. Are you okay? And so I'm constantly in this like, well, what if I, what if I fail? What if... I, I have to prove to the world that I can do both. And God's like, is that how a son thinks? Oh, so you have to perform now. You have to prove to the world that you are somebody. You can't just rest in knowing that you're my son. Is that not good enough for you? Over and over and over again, I would look at something on social media and say, man, I wish I could. Oh, wait. That's an orphan. Why doesn't God do that for me? I prayed for that same thing and God didn't give that to me. Oh, wait. That's how an orphan thinks. Why did you get adopted and I didn't get adopted? Oh, wait. That's how, that's how an orphan thinks. And I became so in tune with this. And, and if I got my feelings hurt, God would say, I told, Paul told you in Romans that you should not feel like an orphan. If no, John, if nobody ever recognized you for anything else as long as you lived, are you okay with that? If you work for me the rest of your life and you never get acknowledged publicly ever again, you never get another promotion, you never get another bonus, you never get another acknowledgement ever as long as you live, are you satisfied with standing with your shoulders back and saying, but I'm a son of God and that's enough? Or are you going to live in this perpetual orphan mindset, getting your feelings hurt over and over and over again. I, I, I just came to realize that it was in me and that there's an orphan heart in all of us. There's an orphan heart in every one of us. Now, some, some, if, you, if you start studying this, you'll find some people that call it an orphan spirit, orphan heart, orphan, call it what you want. I, I'm just giving, kind of giving you a, to get a, a better understanding of, of my concept. I shy away. I may call it an orphan spirit from time to time. I shy away from calling it an orphan spirit. Here's why, okay? Sometimes you'll hear people throw, away, throw around all these spirits. Well, you have a spirit of fear, and you have a spirit of abandonment, and you have a spirit of Jezebel, and you have a spirit of this, and you have a spirit of that. And I'm not saying that any of those things are invalid. In fact, I think they are valid. The only problem with calling something a spirit is it takes the responsibility off of you to correct it. Because if it's a spirit, you're like, well, it's not my fault. It's the devil made me do it. You know, it's not. And, and there's this thing with the other thing with spirits that they think of, well, I just need somebody to lay hands on me and I'll just be magically, it'll go away. 
Okay, the thing about the orphan heart, okay, or if you want to call it the orphan spirit, the orphan spirit cannot be cast out. It can only be replaced. Okay? This is really, really, really important. Okay, and it's applicable to all of us because we all have an orphan heart. And so the only way to get rid of the orphan heart is what we're going to go talk about in just one second, okay? It's, re it's a replacement. I'm replacing my orphan heart with the love of a loving father. And when you begin to experience this love, um, it's hard to talk about it without getting a little bit emotional. And I grew up, I'm the, listen, I'm a preacher's kid. I grew, I've heard four million sermons on the love of God. My God, get it, the love of God. How could something so simple be so profound? And it's this, it, listen, it's taking it from the knowledge to receiving it as truth. The only thing that, that, that separates knowledge from truth is your ability to involve it in your life and to be impacted by it in your life. To allow it to transform the way you think, to allow it to transform the way that you behave. And if you, listen, if you, have a, if you think you have a joy problem, you probably have an identity problem. Uh, if you think you have a marriage problem, chances are you have an identity problem, not a marriage problem. You're, you're living out your marriage like an orphan instead of a son. If you think you have a career problem, and if I can, and if I can just get the degree, and I'm trying to become buddy-buddy with the boss, because, man, if I can get in with the boss, then everything's going to be great. You don't have a career problem. You have an identity problem. Because your boss or your job or your, your industry is not your promoter. God is your promoter. And if you're just resting saying, God, I'm a son. You're my papa. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. It, it alleviates this, this, this ability for it to, to overtake you. So I just came to tell you, I know it's not exciting. I know no one's hooting and hollering, but I'm just here to tell you, you have an orphan heart. But I came on assignment to tell you today that you're not an orphan. You're just not. You're not an orphan. So I want to today, and the, the cool thing about this is if I don't finish my notes, I don't really care. Usually I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm almost out of time. I got to hurry. Today I'm like, I'll stop where I stop and just pick up next week, okay? So it, it's kind of nice. But I just came to tell you today that there's good news. And here's the good news. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you have a father who calls you son or daughter. Now, if I say son and you're a daughter, no, I mean daughter. And if, you're, if I say daughter and you're a son, no, it, it's both, Okay. But you have a father, and I know this is something that you know, but I want you to get a fresh revelation of it over the next couple of weeks, that you have a father who adores you. He loves you so much. On your worst day, he loves you as much as he did on your best day. His love does, doesn't change. Will you receive it? Let's go back to this verse we, we, we read in Romans chapter 8, 16. This is really critical for you receiving this love. It says, for the Holy Spirit makes God's, father, God's fatherhood real to us. So the problem is his fatherhood is there whether you receive it or not. What the Holy Spirit does is his, the Holy Spirit comes to make it real for you. 
Okay, so whether or not you had a good earthly father, let's say you had the worst earthly father example. I have a really great advantage because I had an amazing father. It is not hard for me at all to tie a loving earthly father to a loving heavenly father because I have a great loving earthly father. So it's really easy for me to make the connection. But many, 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 many of you cannot make that connection. But the good news that Paul tells us is that the Holy Spirit makes the Father's love real to you. He's going to make it real to you. And here's how. As he whispers into your innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Now, uh, full confession. The church, probably Victory Church included, the global church, capital C, we, mm, we have probably not helped we, we, we've not done a good job. In fact, let me say it this way. We've probably added to the orphan spirit in the church. Whew, that's a strong statement. But I kind of mean it. And here's why. I think, we've, I think we've focused on the wrong ship with a P. I didn't say T. <laughs> the T one's applicable too. But for this, I mean <laughs> P. All right? I practiced that because I didn't want to say that wrong, be on some YouTube clip for years. <laughs> we focused on the wrong ship, okay? Now think about what the church focuses a lot on. The church is really good at focusing on leadership. We're really good at focusing on stewardship. We're really good at fellowship. Uh, we're really good at emphasizing the importance of relationship with God and with other people. But, but we may have wrecked all those ships, because we focused on the wrong ship. Sonship is the most important ship. Without sonship, you can't have leadership. Without sonship, you can't have stewardship. Without, leader, without sonship, you can't have relationship. Without sonship, you can't have true fellowship. We have focused on the wrong thing, and I'm here to tell you, we need to focus on First and foremost, before anything else, before any other role you live out in this world, you must first and foremost encounter the realization that you are a son and a daughter of a really good father, a really good father that loves you a lot. And if you can, I know it sounds so simple, and I don't know why I'm preaching something so firmly that is so simple, it's really easy to talk about and preach about. It's really hard to receive the love of a father, regardless of your mistakes, regardless of, regardless of your past mistakes and the mistakes you'll make today and tomorrow, by the way, that he loves you so much and he calls you son no matter what. And when we come into this understanding, so many things will begin to change for us. And I, I just kind of want to make a, a, a little bit of a declaration, call it prophetic, call it what you want. Victory Church will not be an orphanage. This will not be an orphanage. This is not going to be a place where we all come together in our orphanhood and feel sorry for each other and just pray that Jesus will come back soon. Let's operate as sons and daughters and say, God, for as long as you have me on this earth, I want to charge the gates of hell. So what do I need to do to step into my inheritance and to do everything that you're calling me to do on this earth? Orphans behave, 
man, when you, I'm telling you, when you study this, and I hope that by the end of the series, you're experts on orphanhood. Because once you are, you can spot an orphan from a mile away. A mile away. It'll make you a better leader because you'll see it in your, in your, in your staff. I'll tell you a really quick story happened this morning, and I hesitated to say it, but I think it's important. I had an altar call this morning at the 9 for this very thing, and I stepped off the platform, started laying my hands on people, praying for them. After church, somebody informed me that somebody got their feelings hurt that I didn't lay hands on them. It's an orphan heart. Like my hand is going to fix you. John touched me. Oh, you know, it's this idea that I'm getting left out, that I am not, I, I'm not belonging. I'm not. Orphanhood will cause you to leave a church because you got your feelings hurt. Orphanhood will cause you to serve a church to the bone, and no one acknowledges you, and you get your feelings hurt and leave the church. I'm just being real. I've seen people leave the church because they wrote a big tithe check, and nobody called them to acknowledge it. That's an orphan heart. Are you giving for the praise and adoration of human beings or are you, are you serving and giving for the praise and adoration and, and, and acknowledgement from a loving father? It's an orphan versus a son. Is this okay? Okay. <laughs> Some, I'm like, oh, man, maybe I need to back off here a little bit. Okay. Let me tell you a really quick story. So um, we went to Mexico uh, for, for part of our sabbatical and we went to this resort down in Mexico, and um, we were there. By the way, I was in some random town in the middle of Mexico, but they may be here today. I'm in the middle of nowhere in Mexico seeing the Chichen Itza ruins, and somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor John, what are you doing here? I'm like, I can't go anywhere. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, my best behavior. Oh, wait, that's an orphan. Um, So so we get to the airport, and I'd set up transportation before we you know, we need to transport from the airport to the resort. And so we had done all that in advance and paid for it. So when you go there, um, I don't know Spanish. I know that's a big shock. I'm like, where's Oscar when I need him? And we, we walk outside, and there's just people holding up signs with your name on it, you know. And so I'm like, where's Chastine? I don't see Chastine anywhere. And so we wait for like an hour. We got no transport. We're just stuck. We're, we don't know how we're going to get there. Finally, we end up getting there. Long story, I won't go into it. The next day... Y'all, I'm trying to resolve this and, and, and get a refund and stuff for the, the transport. And I get out my, my paperwork, and I look at the top of it, and it says, Transport for John Castell. <laughs> well, who's John Castell? Like, am I in the Italian mob now? What's, <laughs> am I in the mafia? What just happened? My name's John Castell. And it dawned on me, my ride was there all along. I probably walked right by the guy. He's got a sign up that says Castell, and I'm, where is my ride? Where's Chastine? You know? My ride was available to take me to paradise, and I walked right by it because I was looking for the wrong name. And I wonder if God isn't standing on the sidelines of your life with a sign that says son or daughter and you're too busy looking for an orphan sign. God's been calling you by a different name than the one that you identify with. He calls you something completely different. And for some reason, the creator of the universe, you can't believe the creator of the universe who calls you a daughter and you can't receive it 
because you have shame. So you operate as an orphan. And it's everyone else's fault. And it's somebody else's. And, and poor, poor, pitiful me. And only if I. And what if I. And what if I would have. And what if I could have. And what if I should have. It's a completely different mind shift that we be, have to begin to operate in. And, and before you can ever answer the question, this is really cutting it down to the core. Before you can ever answer the question, who am I? You must first answer the question, who is God? Because if God is some mean, abusive father to you, then you will never walk in your full calling and who he's called you to be. And the core of our faith, guys, John 3.16 says, for God so loved those who behaved correctly. He loved the world. It doesn't say he loved Christians. It didn't say he loved Republicans. It says he loved the world. The world. He's holding up a sign that says, I love you. Are you my daughter? You're my son. You're my daughter. I invite you. I want to take you to paradise with me if you'll come. Paul, Paul said it this way. I'll start circling the field here. Paul said it this way. This is a beautiful text you should study tonight. It's, uh, look up Galatians 4, chapter 1 through 7, and read this all week. Over and over and over again. Read it in the Passion Translation because it's really strong. This is a sermon in and of itself, this whole text. He says, let me illustrate. So he's going to give us this illustration, this really beautiful one. He says, as long as an heir is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant, although he's the master over all of them. For until the time, appointed time by the father, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. So it is with us. And when we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free those who have hostage to the law. Watch these words. So that. Say it with me. Say, so that. Here's why I did it. So that we would receive our freedom and a full legal Adoption as his children. And there's another so that. Say it one more time. Say so that. And so that we would know that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship. God released a different kind of spirit. The enemy comes to release a, a spirit of orphanhood over you. But this says that instead God released a spirit of sonship over us into our hearts moving us to cry out, this is an important word, intimately, my father, my father, my true father. And this is that same Greek word, Abba, father, which means papa. Have you ever been around somebody that when they pray, they call, they call God uh, daddy? Daddy God, daddy God. I used to always be like, that's weird, stop doing that. Weird, stop it, weird, don't do that. La, 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 la. Part of it's still kind of weird to me, but you know what? Honestly, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Abba means dad, papa. I don't call my dad father. And you'll determine whether or not you call how you, what you call your father based on the intimacy levels with your father. If you don't have any intimacy, you're like, ah, my sperm donor, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Or you're like my father or, you know, my whatever. To me, it's dad. 
And this is the intimacy that God wants with us. He wants you to say, you know what? I love you so much. I want you to, from now on, address me as dad. What do you need? What can I do for you? Verse 7 says, now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy, enjoy. We're supposed to enjoy this. We can enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has. For we are heirs because of what God has done. This is so important. If you don't have the right understanding of your identity, everything in your life will be out of balance. If anything in your life feels out of balance, you better go back to who you are. Because you are first a daughter. You are first a son and everything else follows after that. Everything will find its balance when you balance yourself on the right thing. This, this author that I love, this Lef Hetland, he says it this way. He says, orphans think earthly-minded. And this is how earthly-minded orphans think. They think, I must do something in order to have something, in order to be something. You see the, the rhythm there? Here's the cycle of an orphan. I must do in order to have, in order to be. And I can't be unless I have. I'm defined by what I have, and I can't have unless I do. So there's a perpetual cycle of I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to work hard, I got to pull up my bootstraps, I got to do this, I can fix this, I can work it out. But he says this is how sons and daughters think. Sons and daughters have an, a, a, a kingdom mindset. Sons and daughters think this way. Sons, sons and daughters say, I already am. Therefore, I already have. Therefore, I can do. This is what Paul said when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's not saying it's because I'm a big deal or because I've accomplished anything. He's saying, I'm already a son. I'm just going to act like a son. I'm going to operate like a son. I already am. You know what? God has already given you an A plus on your scorecard. You have an A+. Plus. You started with an A+. Plus. Act like it. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Would you stand to your feet with me for just one second? Okay, see, Edmund. I'm going to try to keep explaining this to you in, in, in the way that God has jacked me up. I, I start every day differently. The first words out of my thought, not always out of my mouth, but the first thing I think every single morning is, God, thank you that I'm a son. Because let's be honest, we don't deserve it, y'all. We don't deserve the adoption that we've gotten. So I say, thank you, God, that I'm a son. And then I, I kind of make this vow to myself and this promise to the Lord. I said, Lord, today I will think like a son. I will behave like a son. I will father like a son. I'll be a spouse like a son. I'll be a pastor like a son, and I'll be a leader like a son. And if you'll allow the Holy Spirit and you'll invite the Holy Spirit to begin to prompt you when you begin to behave like an orphan, let me tell you something, he will. He'll prompt you every time. So what I feel led, the way I feel led to, to close today is I do feel strongly that there are those people who understand this knowledge of sonship or daughtership. You understand the truth of what scripture says, but you have a really hard time receiving it. You have a really, 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 really hard time um, falling into this love that the Father has for you. Uh, if you bow your heads and close your eyes for just one second.
Edmund Campus, please do the same. If you're here today and you have a real difficulty, let me just kind of get you off the hook from the get-go. Remember, I started this whole thing. The title of my message is The Orphan Heart in All of Us. And you're in really good company, by the way, because Moses had it, Elijah, some of the greatest people, the disciples who spread the gospel to the whole world. Jesus left the entire message of the gospel to these clowns, these orphan-hearted clowns. So you're in really good company, okay? If you're here today and you have a really difficult time receiving sonship or daughtership and operating in this way, and you have a really hard time believing that, that a loving father could love you because of your past, because of your present, because of whatever in your life, would you just, no one's looking around, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me? I'm a Lord, yeah, all over. Okay. Can I ask you to do something even more brave? Can I have you, uh, even at the Edmond campus, can I get you to, to leave your seat and come down front here? Nothing weird's gonna happen if that makes you uncomfortable. I'm not saying you have to, but I'm inviting you to because I think God wants to invade you. I think God wants to come and do a work in your life this morning. And God gave me a picture today of these altars that would be similar to like a river, that as you step into this river, that it's no longer an upstream swim, an upstream climb, that you're gonna rest in this river. So at OKC at Edmond, just come, just leave your seat right now. And it's not weird to respond to this over video in Edmond, just come, Pastor Cameron, you can kind of make your way to stage as well and kind of prepare. I wanna say something before we cut the feed. So just come down, just, you're not the only one, as you can see, just, just, just respond to this. Here's what I want to say to, to, to those of you that responded to this, and even to those of you who, who stayed in your seat. This is something really strongly that the, that the Lord showed me, going back to this text I read in, in, in John. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Now, we've focused on the word orphan, but for a second, I want to focus on the word leave. Okay, this word leave, he says, I'm not going to leave you there. You may be there, but I'm not going to leave you there. And those of you that have responded, this is where you're at. It is, it is what it is. This is how you feel. Okay? But Jesus' promises, I'm not going to leave you there. And here's, this is beautiful. I want you to see why he has the authority to say, I'm not going to leave you there. Because this Greek word for the word leave means to depart or to abandon. Okay? So Jesus says, I'm not going to abandon you. Now, the question is, how would Jesus ever know what it feels like to be abandoned? He's the son of God. Seriously? Okay, Jesus, like you know what it feels like to be abandoned. Well, in fact, he does. In, in Matthew, let me show you this, this verse. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, he's hanging on the cross. And it says at three o'clock, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemazabathne, which means my father, my God, Ahaba. Daddy. Why did you abandon me? So think about it this way. For a split second, Jesus became an orphan. Because of the weight of the world, because of the sin, past, present, future, our sin, my sin, your sin, because of that, for just a moment, God turned his back on his only son. Because God can't be with sin. And when his son took on all of our sin, God had to turn his back 
and Jesus for a split second. He was completely abandoned. Okay, but it was for a purpose. Jesus became an orphan for a split second so that you would never have to. Okay? So that is why Jesus had the authority in the book of John to look us all in the eye and say, I will never leave you as an orphan. I'll never leave you. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back into a song for just a second, okay? I'm going to step off the stage. At Edmund Campus, I encourage you to pray, to have staff and prayer team come and pray. What I'm believing for, don't wait for somebody to lay hands on you. I don't have any power in my hands. What I am saying is open your hands and say, God, I want to receive your love. I want to receive this love. I want to receive, I want to, to eradicate this orphan heart in me. Give me, let me receive the love of a father. So let's pray. And then we're going to worship for just a minute. Just sit tight. Don't leave this moment. Lord, we thank you for this revelation and this truth. God, we invite the Holy Spirit into this room. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, come and visit every single person in this room at the Edmund campus and those watching online. May we all encounter this love. May love flood these rooms like a blanket. And may you move in our midst today, in this moment, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.